0: ncia's cannabis industry voice begins now
1: hello thanks for tuning in to another episode of ncia's cannabis industry voice on cannabis radio i'm your host bethany moore i'm the deputy director of communications at the national cannabis industry association ncia's policy council stays busy all year round and sometimes we involve our members and the public in general to submit comment to various regulatory agencies including the dea which we're going to talk about today but first let me introduce my two guests for the show first is liz mason the director of operations at Aram labs one of the first fully certified cannabis testing labs in Colorado. Her and her husband, Luke, founded the lab back in 2014, and both have backgrounds and degrees in chemistry, biochemistry, and molecular biology. In her time there, she's helped to grow the business substantially and expanded it into the nationwide hemp market, helping to increase testing services offered by the lab. Liz is the current co-chair for the NCIA's hemp committee and the founder of RM Services, the hemp division of RM Labs that caters testing services specifically to the hemp industry. Welcome to the show, Liz. Thank
2: you, appreciate you having me.
1: Absolutely. My second guest today is Tiffany Coleman. Tiffany studied chemistry at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and has over 15 years with best practices in pharmaceuticals. She came to cannabis to help keep patients and consumers safe by using those best practices and work towards standardized sampling and testing in the industry. Tiffany is also chair of the NCIA's Scientific Advisory Committee and founder of Cassin Consulting to help cannabis companies establish quality systems using Six Sigma and good manufacturing practices. Welcome to the show, Tiffany.
3: Thanks so much for having me here, Bethany.
1: Absolutely. We've got lots to talk about, but first, let's briefly learn more about each of you in addition to what I've already shared. Let's start with you, Liz. Let's learn a bit about your background and experience and what you did before getting involved in cannabis specifically.
2: Sure. Um, Education-wise, in undergrad and grad school, I studied biochemistry, natural products from plants, inorganic synthesis, molecular biology, and applications in environmental engineering. And so in the science uh, realm, that's quite a hodgepodge of a lot of different disciplines, um, but it gave me a lot of interdisciplinary research experience. And so after grad school, I was able to get a position at Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, which is where I went to undergrad. And uh, I was there for seven years. And then in 2014, That's when we started Orem Labs, and ever since then, I've really dedicated all of my time to public health and safety testing for marijuana and hemp.
1: That's great. Thanks for sharing that background. Tiffany, how about you? How'd you get involved in the industry, and what'd you do leading up?
3: Yeah, so I've been doing research and development for pharmaceuticals and clinical trial materials for most of my career. And that also led to a lot of filings with the FDA from a regulatory perspective, making sure that drug products were on the path to getting approved. Um, About six years ago, I decided that the cannabis industry probably also needed those services since they were highly regulated and seemed to not really have um, that available. So I made the transition to bring those practices over from the pharmaceutical and food and beverage industries to the cannabis industry.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Great to have you both on the show as well. Um, So coming to present day, here we are, uh, you're each in your respective roles. You're both very involved in NCIA. I mentioned you are each serving on one of the committees um, in some leadership capacities as well. So let's, let's learn more about what you're up to these days, what's going on uh, in, in your various practices.
3: Yeah, so my day-to-day is, is, is pretty crazy right now. A lot of my time is spent working with NCIA, drafting these public comments like the ones we're talking about today, and making sure that my clients are audit ready. Most of my clients are dealing with regulatory authorities, either doing their annual inspections or doing their first inspection, making sure they're prepared for that.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, everything, everyone's keeping everyone very busy these days, for sure. There's lots going on. Um, I think I forgot to ask this question a few minutes ago. Um, Some of us come into the cannabis industry by accident. Some of us are super passionate about it because we've kind of been doing it for a long time. Um, and, And some of us maybe have a friend or a family member who could have used cannabis or did use cannabis for various ailments. And I wonder if either of you have that kind of story about why you're involved in cannabis or what that moment was when you said, I, I just have to work in cannabis. W- would either of you like to offer, maybe Liz first?
2: Uh, sure, yeah, I, well, personally as, as a chemist, I really didn't want to go into academia. I really always wanted to be in a research lab or um, something of that nature in an industry. And I've always been a cannabis enthusiast. In fact, me and my husband will joke about how we met because we met in college and I found out he was an at-home grower back then is what we would oh. call it. And, and I was a seed saver. And so on our like second date, I gave him a pack of seeds, like marijuana seeds, which you could not get back then. And so that was always, you know, we fell in love over seeds and science and uh, because he's a chemist, too. And so when Amendment 64 passed, we thought, you know, this is our chance. You know, we've always wanted to start a lab. We wanted we were back in Durango where we met and we love. And so we thought, let's do it. You know, our skills of all these different disciplines, you know, kind of coming together. And so, uh, that's when we decided we were going to do it and took a big risk and it's been really successful so far.
1: Awesome. So do you have a green thumb also for growing or is that just your husband?
2: Um, that's just him. (laughs) I try, but he's really good. I can relate. I'm
1: just happy if my house plants are alive. I'm going to leave it to the pros to grow all the
3: good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Tiffany, how about you? Yeah. So, my wife has multiple sclerosis, and we were American medical refugees. The state Mm. where we lived did not allow cannabis at all. Um, Black market cannabis was. Very sketchy and incredibly expensive. So, we moved two states away to a state where medical and recreational cannabis was available in Colorado. And when I made that transition, that's when I really started to notice that these companies existed. They were in a regulatory environment that really needed some experience from other highly regulated industries that they just didn't have. And, and that here I am, still here today, making sure she has access to quality cannabis and other people like her around the nation. That's like my life's goal at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it is it's it's hard to hear about the refugee scenarios. Um, parents, spouses are, you know, you're having to uproot your whole family to go somewhere where you can get legal access to medicine that that really really helps you. Um, so once again, as we're approaching the election here, I mean, there's a lot on the line, but not just a presidential candidate. There's a lot of state ballot of state ballot initiatives across the country in Arizona, Mississippi, Montana, um, South Dakota, New Jersey. If you're in any of those states, now is really the time to make sure you're voting for that ballot initiative so that your state can begin this process and more families, children can get access once these programs are implemented. So there's a lot of reasons to vote, but that's another good one. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and, and hope your wife is experiencing an increased quality of life as a result, absolutely. Um, so before we take our first commercial break Um, I just want to remind our listeners that the Cannabis Business Cyber Summit is happening November 10th, 11th, and 12th this year, 2020. This is usually our big 10,000-person expo floor panel sessions educational conference that we do every year. And this year has been different as we know. So we're taking it cyber. So it is complimentary access for all current NCIA members. You just have to register, head to Cannabis Business Summit And if you're not an NCIA member, that's okay. There's some early bird prices you can jump into, or you can register to participate as well. Should be a really interesting virtual event. And we can't wait to get back to the real expo convention centers, but we're gonna wait until it's safe to do that because we care about the health and safety of not only ourselves, but NCIA members and everybody. So with that being said, let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. And then we're gonna come back and talk with both Liz and Tiffany about some work NCIA has been doing with our members that is very important. And we would like our listeners to pay close attention and maybe help us out. So stay tuned in the meantime, we'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors Order your Shuggies now at dot or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take anywhere treat. Plant,
3: plant
1: Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protis Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protis Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. Garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on cannabisradio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and I'm talking with Liz Mason and Tiffany Coleman. Both serve on NCIA's committees. We have the HEMP Committee and the Scientific Advisory Committee as well. So let's go ahead and dive into why we're talking today. Really, as I alluded to before the commercial break, there's a call to action for our listeners to get involved in the rulemaking process. Of course, NCIA files what's called amicus briefs, and we submit comments to various government agencies when they request feedback on topics relating to cannabis. Sometimes this can get really specific. So Liz, could you explain more about what we're doing in this case and then we can break down the
2: problem and the solution? Yes, so in late August, the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DA, published in the Federal Register an interim final rule, might be called an IFR when we talk, and it was on industrial hemp and they were requesting public comment. And the rule was published to, to align their division's regulations with the Agriculture Improvement Act, which we also know as the 2018 Farm Bill. So it's the stance of the NCIA that the DEA IFR does not completely align with the I or with the AIA and the legislative changes that were enacted by Congress. So there's a concern that the DEA's rule lacks clarity and creates a bit of confusion about the intent of the farm bill. So in our comments to them because of this, we're requesting that the DEA rescind this IFR.
1: Got it, Uh, and and take it away and then replace it with something else or let's let's just leave it where it's at. Uh, Do you wanna follow up with that,
3: Tiffany? Yeah, so the best would be to just take it away. The way it is written now has caused so much confusion that it's, in my opinion, very difficult for all processors in all states to understand what they've said and what the limitations are that the DEA has put, put in place. You know, the interim rule has a lot of sections in it, but the bigger ones are changing the legal definition in the Controlled Substances Act of marijuana, which they're saying it should be aligned with um, the Farm Bill, as well as changing the definition of THC compounds and um, descheduling some existing FDA approved compounds like epidylix. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. These are these are the important parts. Um, yes, we want those things to be descheduled, but we want it to be done in such a way that there's no confusion for operators. So nobody feels like they might be on the cusp of doing something that the DEA would think is illegal.
1: I wonder if it's that they just don't know what they're talking about or or is it intentionally confusing? I guess we'll never know, but thank you so much for explaining the basics there. Um, for the policy nerds and science experts, I'd like to get into some of the specific nuances here, which I think you were starting to mention, Tiffany, that that are interesting or important to know and how, how it can truly impact the whole supply chain, not just for the operators, which is one whole animal, but all the way down to the consumer level purchasing.
3: Yeah, so just from, from the very top level, the DEA made a definition which included the word synthetic in saying that TH, synthetic cannabinoids are, are still part of the Controlled Substances Act. Mm-hmm. Now, most people, I think, when they read this will think, oh, well, what does that include? Is that that include all isomers? Um, and a lot of people got concerned because, you know, CBD is an isomer of THC and, you know, mm-hmm. Delta eight is an isomer of THC and, you know, THCV. all of these things that are, are becoming available in the marketplace from hemp are, you know, potentially, and mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm doing air quotes for you mm-hmm. synthetic, depending right. on how that definition um, is made. Um, yeah. Amazingly enough, the, Controlled Substance Act doesn't have a definition for synthetic. So not only have they used a term that's not defined that is causing confusion, um, but they chose not to define it when they made these changes as well. So you know, a big portion of our response to them is saying, "Hey, if you're going to throw terms around like this, you should define them and you should make it clear so people understand, you know, where these lines are being drawn." Especially since you know the Farm Bill allowed for derivatives, extracts, isomers, salts, acids, etc., explicitly. So there's no, you know, why would you say that you know potentially synthetic compounds couldn't be when? the Farm Bill clearly had them outlined and it was part of the intent of the Farm Bill. Um, the next thing that's really, I think, can cause some confusion is, is they've really tried to define um, what hemp is and what what hemp isn't, even though that's already been defined. And they just kind of change a few words here and there. And those, those subtle changes have got everybody kind of all with their feathers ruffled. And, and for us, we're just saying, you know what, let's stick to the definition. It's already been defined by the legislature. We don't need to redefine the definition of hemp and, and, and move forward from there. I, I think those are the two major items. You know, above and beyond that, they made these changes which have caused all of this confusion and made it into law as the IFR with these regulations um, without going through any of the administrative um, protocol that they need to. And, you know, for that reason alone, I believe multiple people are currently suing the DEA to make them retract this with, since it didn't have an appropriate um, method of getting put into to law.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Wow. Um, Liz, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Yeah, on our end, our clients we we serve um, cultivators and producers, and they've invested their livelihood and their family's future into really pioneering this legal hemp industry. And now we're getting calls and questions about the DEA's rules, and you know these law-abiding citizens with good intent of following the law, um, being compliant with their products and providing to their customers. They're really scared that they could be criminalized. And so there's a bit of fear and confusion. They ask me uh, questions like, so is extracting CBD now illegal? And I don't always have the best answer for that because <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. Um, But luckily, the NCIA has a team of lawyers who helped write these comments. And again, it comes back to, we believe the DA didn't do this maliciously or had intent to create this ambiguity. But unfortunately, there is a lot of confusion from this IFR. And when we talk about solutions, because we do talk about solutions in the comment and we talk about. The solution being the FDA regulates, you know, we really focus more on the DEA not having, you know, rewriting definitions and trying to align with the farm bill, but just let the FDA regulate hemp because that was always the intent. Gotcha. Yeah, thank you for thank you for that
1: explanation. Um, so before we take our last commercial break, uh, let's let's talk about any fi- final takeaways here, and we'll definitely tell our listeners how they can learn more and even take action to submit comments themselves. But um, Tiffany, any final takeaways about what's going on here?
3: Yeah, you know, for me, the takeaway that I, I got as soon as I read this IFR was, how is this going to impact my dad? right he uses cbd topicals and you know those are sort of expensive but mm-hmm. when you create this kind of confusion everything starts to cost more right and that means there is an impact it's an impact to the consumer it's an impact to the company creating the product that the consumer is using right it's an impact to the farmers and you know, just like Liz said, I don't think that they did this on purpose, but I don't think they knew just how confusing the regulatory environment already is without them muddying the waters even more. And so I would ask that all of our listeners would take the time to be transparent with what they're doing and submit their own comments and Mm -hmm. say, this is how you're impacting me. Even if it's just to say what you wrote was confusing, can you please add more clarity? Because that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, law abiding citizens, farmers across the country that are confused because of what they've done here with this IFR.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's jump and take that last commercial break and then come back and get Liz's Liz's take on all this as well and wrap up our conversation. So stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back and we'll give you information about where you can learn more to submit your own comments. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. It's time to hem present only on Cannabis Radio. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android
2: and i and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
0: Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Empire. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's cannabis industry voice only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, wrapping up our conversation here with Tiffany Coleman and Liz Mason. Both serve on respective NCIA committees, the Hemp Committee and the Scientific Advisory Committee, and have gotten involved in these uh, DEA comments, uh, which which we explained a bit in the last segment. Uh, Liz, did you have any final takeaways about what's going on with these DEA this DEA situation and then we'll also share information about how people can get involved.
2: Yeah. My takeaway would just be to go and, you know, if you haven't read the IFR to read that and uh, read the NCIA's comments and then copy and paste them and um, put them in the federal register. that's how these things legally get traction. And so um, we need to, just get as much like a call to action for as many people to comment as possible. I think the due date is October 20th, so it's coming up. And I also think supporting industry groups like the NCIA is very important because these are people that are really um, trying to legitimize this industry. And it's, it's challenging at times. Uh, you can also write your senators, call your senators, so there's a lot of things that you can do to get involved. Absolutely. It's super important to have a seat at the
1: table is what we like to say when it comes to the rulemaking process. So people in the industry, getting to know your members of Congress, get to know your uh, your local uh, fire department even, <laughs> whatever you need to do, make yourself known for sure. And you mentioned something important, the deadline is October 20th. By the time this episode goes to air in a couple days, That'll be, I think, with, in less than 24, if not 48 hours. Uh, so if you're listening to this on, let's say, Monday, October 19th, tonight's the night you need to log on and submit those comments. So um, you, we're going to have a landing page on NCIA's website with a little bit more information. And uh, information, it should be thecannabisindustry.org forward slash DEA Hemp Comments 2020. That's thecannabisindustry.org slash DEA Hemp Comments 2020. So that landing page will have some information for you as well. And I mentioned NCIA gets involved in these kind of things. Really, NCIA's Policy Council is a policy think tank. And the purpose is to develop public policy recommendations for the legal cannabis industry. So we come together using all of our expertise and these incremental reforms like the Safe Banking Act or fixing the federal tax code. These are things that the Policy Council is focused on, these cutting edge policy matters Uh, in order to ensure that our industry is treated fairly. So there's plenty of resources on our website from the Policy Council as well, if that's something you're interested in learning more about. So as we have just a couple minutes, two, three minutes here, uh, there's a lot going on this year, but let's do some big picture thinking. Um, I think it's fun to think about how far we've come and where there is still to go. Um, Liz, would you, would you like to share, you know, where you were 10 years ago, if you could have predicted the industry would look the way it does today? Um, and also, if you have any predictions into the future for what our industry will look like in 2030.
2: Well, I was just getting started in cannabis 10 years ago, it, you know, was legal in Colorado, well, medical was legal. And so, but I was a young pup in a dog's world, as we would say around here. And I, I can remember saying many times that I never thought my home state of Oklahoma, or I said that it wouldn't happen. My home state of Oklahoma would never legalize marijuana. And uh, I've had to eat those words because they're in their second year of legalization. So uh, I don't think I would have predicted we would have been this far, this quick, but I'm glad that we are. Uh, As far as where we're gonna be in 10 years, that's all up to voting. You know, you gotta get out there and vote. That's gonna really determine our future. So true, thank you for that, Liz. Tiffany, what are your
1: thoughts when we think about the long ago past and the far off future?
3: You know, 10 years ago I was living outside of Kansas City, certainly never thinking, that cannabis would come to Missouri, similar to how Liz was saying it came to Oklahoma. You know, it just got legalized there as well. And I know that's a, a starting industry. I never would have expected that that would have happened. You know, ten years ago, uh, certainly not uh, with the the political climate there, and you know, with its neighbors <laughs> in Kansas as well. You know, yeah. with all the growth I've seen at this point, ten years from now, I think federal descheduling, um, regulations controlled, uh, some new branch focused on cannabis at the FDA. Mm. And, you know, the the sky's the limit as the global uh, industry of cannabis, you know, starts leaving the United States and getting funneled into countries around the world. Uh, You know, there's no reason why it couldn't happen if we all vote.
1: Absolutely. Spark that vote. Absolutely. Thank you both for being on the show. Before I go, I want to remind listeners uh, not only to submit those DEA comments, and again, the website URL that will be ready by the time you listen to this is thecannabisindustry.org/dea hemp comments two um, zero two zero. That's going to be available. Also. We have webinars that are educational every week. I think there's going to be a webinar uh, on topics surrounding this as well coming up. So be sure to check NCIA's Industry Essentials Webinar Series. Um, those are also complementary for current NCIA members and a small fee for non-members to access. And, of course, the big cannabis business summit, Cyber, on November 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, that is cannabisbusinesssummit.com. Once again, thank you both for joining me today and breaking down this issue uh, with with hemp and the DEA and the definitions and everything in between. Um, I, I gave the website for the DEA, but if, if uh, for the DEA comments, but if anyone, um, if you'd like to share anything else as we're wrapping up the show, please do, Tiffany.
3: I just wanted to say thank you for this opportunity to put this call to action out there. It's so important that more people take the time to submit these comments and I really appreciate you taking the time today. Awesome, thank you, Tiffany. And Liz?
2: Yeah, I really appreciate it too. You know, We've been working really hard. Um, The NCIA has been commenting on the USDA comments, on the FDA comments, and now on the DEA comments. There's a lot going on at the national level. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really proud to be a part of an organization that um, is, you know, really working towards public health and safety and legitimate cannabis use, you know, for patients and consumers. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Thanks again to you both. And thanks for everyone for tuning in to
1: another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.